Welcome to today's program. It is called How to Vegan. You got it. If you are new to a vegan diet, we have got you covered with today's program, or maybe you just need a refresher and how to get back on track. Well, today it's all about the first three weeks on a vegan diet, how to really get started on the right foot. And we are going to feature the Physicians Committee's 21-day vegan kickstart program. You are absolutely going to love it. And the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll, is going to walk you through it. And he is going to be joined by Susan Levin and Maggie Neola, our registered dietitians here at the Physicians Committee. And they will get you started with lots of great tips, recipes coming today and every day. That's all part of the kickstart. So let's get started. You are listening to the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. And it's not very often that I get an opportunity to speak with a former Division I football player. And this this guy is just incredible. His story, his transformation is just something to behold. And that's why I'm really, really excited to welcome to the program former Michigan Wolverine Mark Ramirez. Mark, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Chuck. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Uh, it is more than my pleasure. So let's let's just get right into this. Chickpeaandbean.com is your website, but what was it, six years ago, you probably couldn't even fathom that you would even have that website because you weren't even enlightened to this nutrition, this plant-based, this vegan lifestyle that really changed the course of your life. It absolutely did, Chuck. And you're right. Six years ago, I never would have thought that this this is where I'd be today. You know, I come from a long history of diabetes in my entire family. I come from a big Mexican family, eight brothers and sisters, my mother. Every one of those individuals, with the exception of one sister, was diagnosed and or has battled diabetes. Mm. My mother was diabetic for Chuck for 33 years. Wow. You know, ever since I can remember, since I was a little kid, she was popping pills for diabetes. And as the years went on, of course, the, the disease progressed. Ultimately, she ended up having a, a kidney transplant that was donated by my only sister, who was not battled with diabetes so far, knock on wood. Um, and then, you know, she had two heart attacks. She was legally blind, years of dialysis, years and years of just diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, just teens, you know, teens of medications, you know, I don't know if it was 15, 16, 17 medications she was taking, but just a whole slew of medicines and poor health. And ultimately, Chuck, uh, at the young age of 61, she had two arteries around her heart that were so blocked, she needed to go in for a double bypass. And unfortunately, she never recovered from that mm. bypass and died at the young age of 61. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, I was uh, been taking health and, and nutrition courses, and I know that anything before the age of 72 now is clinically premature. So uh, that's young at any age. But I, you know, my heart's out to you, and, and I really wish that she could have learned more about this while she was still with us. Yeah, you know, I, I do too. I mean, I, I look at my daughter. My daughter was uh, six. My son was three when she passed. So they didn't get to see very much of grandmother. Uh, the other, you know, the other, my oldest brother, David, David died at the young age of 41. He dealt, he was diabetic for approximately a decade, mm -hmm. dealt with a nine month bout of pancreatic cancer. And unfortunately, uh, he died at the young age, after nine months of battling the pancreatic cancer, he passed at the young age of 41. So diabetic for approximately a decade, had some high blood pressure, some high cholesterol, but ultimately cancer uh, did him in at the young. And, and what's ironic is they both passed in 
within a matter of two months, both in the year of 2002. And ironically, that's the same year. That same year, 2002, was when I was diagnosed with diabetes. So, so. 2002, but you really didn't change things up until, what, almost a decade later. So why wait? Like, what, what did it take to open your eyes? You know, it, it's interesting. At first, so I'm diagnosed with diabetes. I just had this disaster of, of a year with my mother and my brother passing. Uh, and ultimately, I think when I look at all my brothers and sisters, everybody's diabetic. I thought that this was my fate. I thought this was in my genes. Everybody has it. And, you know, you read all these studies that Hispanics have a high rate of diabetes. So I just thought this was just genetic. There's nothing I can do. I basically just need to brace and prepare for this disease to settle in with me. So I wasn't shocked and I wasn't surprised when I was given the diagnosis. Uh, you know, we start with the medicines, the metformin, 500 milligrams. And then as the time progresses, your sugars are still not where they need to be. So they up the dosage. And throughout this decade of being sick to the end of 2011, and it is pretty much a decade, I ended up having, I'm diabetic, I have high blood pressure, I have high cholesterol, I'm taking Lantus insulin shots, two diabetes oral medications, a high blood pressure medication and a high cholesterol medication, five different medicines, I'm 43 years old, mm. and on top of the diabetes and blood pressure and cholesterol uh, diagnosis, I also have erectile dysfunction, I have psoriasis all over my scalp, I have heartburn very, very frequently, I'm overweight, I don't sleep well, and I'm just a mess at 43 years old. So this is what obviously the long-term effects of having these chronic illnesses as they settle in. I mean, I, so, I, I hate to laugh at that. that. I mean, that's just a lot. I don't even know how you woke up in the morning dealing with all of that. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I tried, you know, I have my, my beautiful wife, my two, two great children, and, you know, they keep you going. But again, I, I'm looking at this devastation. So, you know, I talk about, you know, my oldest brother, David, my mother, uh, Carol, but I also have all my other brothers and sisters that are diabetic and blood pressure and cholesterol issues and taking and popping pills and just progressively getting worse. And actually, the, the sickest one in the family is my youngest brother, Martin. Martin uh, was diagnosed with diabetes at about the age of 13 or 14. He's 44, soon to be 45 years old, so he's been battling it for about 31, 32 years. But Martin has had his right leg amputated, a pancreas and kidney transplant. He's legally blind. He does dialysis three times a week. He's had a heart attack. He, they took half of his thyroid this just past May in 2017 because they found three bumps in it that they believed to be cancer takes 25, uh, Chuck, 25 medications every single day. And so I give him a lot of credit because he understands what we're doing and he helps, he allows us to share his message, share the pictures of his amputations, et cetera. And he, he never complains. And he, has, he is trying to make some changes, but uh, the bottom line is uh, he allows us to share his message in hopes that, hey, Mark, if, if my story will help scare people into trying, seeing what can happen in the long terms of diabetes and chronic illness, share the message and hopefully it'll inspire some other people to try and make some changes to, uh, to improve their health. Yeah, you know, you kind of hate to use that scared straight mentality, but sometimes, I mean, that's all that works, you know, that's all that really resonates with people. Yeah, and, and you know, I look back to this decade of being sick, Chuck, and uh, and then all of a sudden we came across two things that changed the entire trajectory of my my mind, my, my family's life, and that is we watched the documentary Forks Over Knives, mm -hmm. which I know you're familiar with. Very. 
And through there, we came across this guy. I don't know. You might know him. His name is Dr. Neil Barnard. <laughs> Rings a bell. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> so we read Dr. Neil Barnard's program for reversing diabetes after watching Forks Over Knives. And in that, after this decade of being sick and progressively getting worse, all the medications, we said, well, I've tried counting carbs. I've tried counting calories. I've tried portion control. I've tried eating more and eating less rather and working out more. And guess what? I might have lost a little weight, felt a little better, but I'm still taking all the pills. I'm yeah. still sick. So I, it wasn't until I came across his book and understood that it's really the intramyocellular lipid, the, the fat inside the muscle cell that you really need to clean out so that our insulin sensitivity can go up. So once I understood the three rules that I learned out of his book, and that was, of course, no animal foods, low in fat, and then for diabetics, you want to watch the glycemic index, the, the foods that cause your sugars to spike. So those three rules, understanding that, and sick for a decade, taking all these pills, my wife and I on December 3rd of 2011, just a little over six years ago, we adopt the whole food plant-based lifestyle. And in two months, after being sick for a decade, taking pills for a decade, in two months, I am off all my medications. In three months, I had lost 50 pounds. And it was amazing to see this transformation come through. And this is when my wife and I, we said, hey, we, you know, things are going so great. We need to now share this power, share this message with anyone that will listen, right? Because we just found some information that for whatever reason, it took us a while to get there. But the bottom line is, we are the healthiest now. I'll be 50 years old in, in just a little over, a little less than a month, rather. And I think I, I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. I feel better today than I did 20 years ago. Well, brother, you and, don't look anywhere close to 50 either. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I mean, we're, we're trying. And my wife, you know, she's the rock uh, of the of chickpea and beans. She keeps uh, us going. She keeps us on top of a lot of the education, a lot of the learning as well, and keeping me straight, too, when I... I'm a little confused about certain things, but uh, Kim and I now, we we uh, we teach people this lifestyle. We tell them, look, don't let genes be your fate. Please understand that it doesn't matter how sick you are or how old you are. If you wrap your arms around this idea that food is what's killing us, but it can also be what saves us, you'll be amazed at how this machine, this body of ours, is an amazing machine, more complicated than any computer or any car ever will be, right? Yep. You just need to give it a chance and stop pounding it with all the wrong foods, and it's an amazing machine. Let me ask you this before we talk about uh, your Food for Life courses. Um, when you were still a big guy, you were a football player, so did you kind of use that as a crutch to justify your size? Because I was uh, one of those wacky morning sidekicks on a radio station called Big 100.3, so of course I was Big Chuck, and I used that to justify you know, being so overweight, and that's kind of how I tried to trick myself into saying, hey, this is okay. Was that kind of similar for you as well? It's funny you ask that, that yes, I mean, ever since fifth grade, I have been, I, I played football up, up and through college, so I was almost 22 years old, and all I remember hearing is, oh, steak, steak is going to get you big and strong, it's going to keep you healthy and big, and of course, you know, at training table at Michigan, I'd have two and three steaks, no problem, right, <laughs> keep that weight on and keep, uh, so my whole, as I was growing up and, you know, in this man's world of weightlifting and getting big and staying strong and football and macho and man, you know, <laughs> and, and, I mean, that's just what you're, that's in that realm. That is what you hear. You need to be big and strong. You need to, 
And unfortunately, uh, what they're doing is I'm working with a lot of uh, former my former teammates uh, from Michigan, and we there have been four of us now, myself and three others, Chuck, who two were battling with diabetes and blood pressure and frequent heartburn, another one, you know, AFib and cholesterol issues, and amongst the those three other folks, it, I'll give you a perfect example. One of my best friends, and he sh- we've shared his story, but he lost in one year he lost almost 150 pounds. He was off his cholesterol meds and his AFib all but pretty much disappeared. He is in you know, way better shape than he has been in, in decades and, uh, and really improving himself. And the other two gentlemen had diabetes. They no longer have diabetes. Wow. They're off their meds. They're off their cholesterol issues. They've lost a good amount. One, one's lost 80 pounds and the other about 40, 45. That's great. But the bottom line is, yes, in that realm of athletes, you need meat to be big and strong. And, you know, we're seeing more and more in the NFL, you know, David Carter, there's some other uh, Theo Riddick here for the Detroit Lions, they're plant-based. So more and more athletes are, they're, they're listening, you know, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, who's a, another Michigan man, uh, he's almost there. I don't know that he's 100% plant-based, but he's probably 80 to 90% he's close. there. He's close. So the bottom line is you see more and more athletes, you know, Venus Williams, all these athletes, Carl Lewis even, he was talking about that back a while ago, saying that his best results occurred when he was eating a plant-based diet so uh, i think it's it's turning and more and more athletes are are beginning to understand the power of food so uh, let's end with this somebody's listening to this they want to check out chickpea and bean.com what is uh what is your food for life course like walk me through that yeah, so we, there's a there's a variety of courses that we teach. One, you know, some will focus specifically uh, and give more detail about one chronic illness. For example, there's a diabetes uh, food for life course that we teach, and that sp- deals specifically more with some details around diabetes. But what we do is we bring people in, we share Dr. Barnard's videos that you know where he's talking about the disease and sharing his information, and then we end up cooking some meals for the people to taste, uh, and so. It's basically, they typically run about two hours. And again, we're sharing Dr. Barnard's information, sharing everything that we've learned along this journey, as well as cooking some meals that are PCRM, you know, approved recipes, uh, so that the people can understand that, look, some of these recipes are so simple, it's it's silly. I mean, <laughs> it's really just taking, you know, some can, some beans, mixing them with some corn, and mixing it with, uh, you know, a few ingredients, and now you got a chili, right? Right. Um, it's just amazing what, what can a salsa, corn, and beans. Whip those, throw them in a pot, heat it up, and in five minutes you got a meal that can feed the family. So some of them are very simple, others, but we try to teach people. We, we talk about, you know, some of the things that we've learned along the ways, like how oils, oils are very damaging to our endothelial lining and not good for us, plus they're 100% fat. So we try to share other things like balsamic vinegar, and hummus instead of the mayonnaise and teach them different things that we have learned along this journey to help them as they begin to start there. So we do that. We also do kickstarts, Chuck, where we walk people through the PCRM kickstart, the 21 day. Yep. We share a bunch of information with them. In fact, we have two events actually coming up, one that's going to start December 29th in just a, a few a week and a half or so, and one back in, in later in January, towards the end of January. So they can find that information, but we help people walk through those kickstarts, help them, give them ideas, share you know the, all the PCRM information that we can so people uh, can understand that there is a lot of resources out there, and PCRM is one of the best that, uh, that's out there. 
That's that's awesome. I mean, my hat is off to Mark. My hat is off to you and your wife and everything that you guys are doing. And, and congratulations on your turnaround. And from the bottom of my heart, I wish your brother well. Um, I hope that uh, he's able to make some improvements and improve his quality of life. It sounds like he's having a tough go of it, but uh, he's got a good brother fighting for him in his corner. Yes, he does. Yep. All right, Chuck. Well, thank you for all you're doing and your continued support and getting that message out there. We appreciate it, sir. Mark, I appreciate it. He's on Twitter at Chickpea and Bean. Instagram, the same thing. Facebook, the same thing. Very consistent branding. And of course, <laughs> ChickpeaandBean.com. You are listening to The Exam Room brought to you by the Physicians Committee. You're listening to the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. This is all about the 21-day Kickstart program. So now you're ready to go vegan. What is your first step? Here to help me break that all down is dietitian Susan Levin. Welcome back to the show. Great to be here. Thank you. You know, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I think that this is just wonderful. And one of the things that really attracted me to the Physicians Committee was this program that really, it just lays out step by step by step the first three weeks that people should follow when they switch to a plant-based diet. It's really cool. It's called the 21-Day Kickstart Program. Of course, all that information is online, but you you are just an expert on all things vegan, so I wanted to bring you in to kind of talk about this. Sure, yeah. Well, we created this program years ago, recognizing that for people to adopt a vegan diet, a healthful diet, that they um, may need about three weeks to break those old habits. And we wanted to have those resources online for them as opposed to having to come in and be in a clinical trial. How many people get, get to do that with us? But anybody can do this. It's free. It has so much information in it. Um, and it even has a pre-kickstart element to it, meaning we don't just throw you in the water. We give you a lot of resources beforehand so that you can prepare for day one. You don't start day one with no information. You start day one with sort of a, a preparation package. And what, what is that prep package? What does that entail? Well, it entails a grocery list, for example. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to wake up day one and, and say, okay, now I need to eat oatmeal. Oh, I don't have any oatmeal. I guess I'm not going to do the program. So we want you to go in with your pantry stocked, your refrigerator stocked, um, with some pep talks, with some encouragement, some information. And also, again, when you wake up on day one, you have something there for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And maybe even just as important, you don't have the contraband in your pantry and in uh-huh. your refrigerator. You don't wake up with that temptation. So we want to give you a little bit of time to prepare and to to get there. I think that, you know, one of the big questions is whether anybody's transitioning to a plant-based diet or any kind of diet, very popular with the new year, is the fear of eliminating the foods that they love so much, cutting them out of their lives. Like the thought of it is just terrifying for some people. But I'm going through the menu here, uh, even just week one, and I'm seeing day one, you have barbecue style portobello and um, portobello mushrooms with uh, quinoa pilaf. That barbecue is, is, that's on point. Right. So there's a lot of recipes in here, and, and we encourage people to to branch out and, and do things that work for them. But if you're used to a certain way of eating, we're not asking you to do something completely foreign. A lot of these recipes are tweaks of what you're used to mm-hmm. eating. Um, if you like your spaghetti with meatballs, uh, okay, how about spaghetti with marinara sauce and vegetables instead? So it's not completely foreign. It's just maybe missing some of the foods you're used to eating and adding in some 
healthful, high fiber foods. When you're developing this menu, did you kind of pick the foods in succession so that it would ease the body's transition? Because I know some people have some gas issues, things like that. Was that taken into account with this? Well, Chuck, now you're making me look bad. No, but but I do. It, it does talk a little bit um, elsewhere about if you aren't used to eating this way, if you're not used to eating a high fiber diet, um, it is a good idea sometimes to ease in. And that's maybe where some of the pre- preparation work comes right. into play as well. Right. Try some recipes before day one. Um, if this looks interesting, try it. See if you like it. Um, add some more fiber into your diet slowly so that by the time you're ready to eat a full-on healthy diet, um, it's not so shocking to your system right. that you feel um, uncomfortable, to put it to put it one way. But um, it's a great idea, and we do have resources to help people uh, digestively get through this. I'm kind of, I'm just, I just want to scroll through the menu a little bit more with you. We're still on week one here, and um, leftovers. That's always important. That's that's oh just a gosh. time saver. Let's just be real. Here. <laughs> um, here's one. You know, if people like the Mexican fare, we've got quickie quesadillas with Mexican corn salad. That sounds delicious to me. It is, and you know what's great. And I was just confessing to you earlier. I don't cook. <laughs> I'm not a good cook, but I can make a quickie quesadilla the way that we, the, the way we've selected the ingredients and how to prepare it. This is easy stuff, and it's really good. And yes, it's good for you. Um, and the corn sap. I mean, everything is, is so healthful, so colorful. It's going to give you um, so many nutrients, but it's also going to keep you satisfied, engaged in the program. You're not going to be in the kitchen for hours preparing this stuff. I promise you. (laughs) But even if you are not um, willing to go into the kitchen for half an hour, we have a lot of resources in there for how to do this even faster, a lot of convenience ways of doing this, uh, and kind of work your way up to being more of one of the, uh, one of, you know, whole foods plant-based. But if you can just get those plants in and get the, the animal products out, you're, you're already winning. But I, I'm just looking at the, the prep for this quesadilla recipe. Really, you only have six ingredients there. Uh, the toughest part, I guess, will be chopping up the onions and tomatoes, but really that's only going to take, you know, a couple of minutes. And then the prep time on this is minimal. You just make that and you throw it on the uh, on the tortilla and you're good to go. I mean, this probably only takes, well, this says two to three minutes. Right. (laughs) And I, you know, I don't even actually really like raw onions. I I tend to leave those out. So five ingredients for (laughs) me. Five ingredients for me, and I am not kidding you when I say it is so easy and tastes so good. And another snack staple, popcorn, is on here. Air pop popcorn. A lot of people, you know, what am I going to have for a snack? Um, And is it just fruit? It's like, well, yeah, have a lot of fruit, have as much as you want. But there are a lot lot of other very creative snack ideas on here for those of us out there that just run out of ideas pretty quickly. And I'm noticing a theme with breakfast. There's a lot of oatmeal suggested. Yeah. Um, Oatmeal or cereal. I mean, this is a really like a healthful, whatever whole grain interests you in the morning. And, uh, you know, we don't want to scare people by saying have to have a bowl of amaranth. But I'm here. But a bowl (laughs) of amaranth is pretty good. Like, again, uh, any whole grain that just needs some water and some heat is a good breakfast to have. But oats are such a common um, product. You can get that at any grocery store, pennies per dish. Uh, You know, I make my oats um, on the stove in less than two minutes because I I don't need it to be all mushy. 
it's just so easy. Throw in some almond milk, some cinnamon, uh, frozen fruit or fresh if I have it. And I just have this, probably this two pound bowl of oatmeal pretty much every morning because it's just so easy. You who say that you can barely boil water. Now we find out that you can make the quesadillas and you can make a mean oatmeal. Come on now. Because I can boil water Uh huh. and I can make a, a pan hot. Aha. Uh-huh. So... Uh-huh. Check and check. <laughs> do, do Checkmate. You, do you leave the chopping to somebody else? I, I hate chopping. <laughs> yes, I do. My husband is the chopper. Otherwise, when he comes home to dinner, um, if I'm fortunate enough to have time to make dinner, it's like these giant chunks of cabbage. And it's like you can't even <laughs> chop the cat. It's like, no, I just can't bother with the chopping. But, this, but that's uh, okay. It's still good for you. I'm, I'm looking at the menu now. We've uh, switched over to week two. And again, this is really laid out just beautifully. Yeah. I mean, again, every week you have your grocery list. It says exactly what it is that uh, that you should be picking up. And you have a food allergy uh, on there. So if, if that's a problem for you, uh, certainly you can take that into account. And you guys give the alternatives. Right. So for anyone, um, you know, in, in the beginning, in the early days of this project, the Kickstart project, we got a lot of feedback, right? So, well, I'm I don't want to eat gluten or I have uh, celiac or I have a nut allergy, Um, even if it's just preferential and not an allergy or intolerance, just to let people know, oh, my gosh, there's so many options out there. Just take take grains, for example. If you don't want to eat gluten and you should be eating your your gluten grains if you if you can, if you don't have an intolerance, which most of us most of us don't. But if you can't, uh, no big deal. Like I said, there's amaranth, there's millet, there's oats, there are all sorts of varieties of rice. Um, so plenty of grains out there for people to eat if they don't want to eat Now, wheat. I, I just, the thing about the menu that strikes me, and in your experience working with people who are going through this program, I think that this is really a palate pleaser and there isn't going to be too much trouble as far as I'm not getting the taste that I'm used to. Exactly. A palate pleaser. Um, efficiency, again, it's, it's, these are not difficult recipes. We were very careful to make sure that that's uh, how it was designed. Um, in addition to that, we stand behind the quality of these recipes, both in terms of the ingredients. Mm-hmm. We, we practice what we preach. When we say no added oils, we mean it, and these recipes reflect that. And then, you know, there's a lot of recipes out there that even we weren't quite sure, is this going to taste good? And we vetted all those out, and we made sure these were tried and true. Now, what about the mindset? Because that's also really important when you're starting something new like this. What What is important for people to keep in mind when they're moving forward, making that transition? Well, you touched on this earlier, I thought, when you said people have a hard time saying, I can't give up something oh forever I just can't do it and that's besides the 21 days to break a habit philosophy there's also the um, psychological aspect okay you're not going to give up your meat and your cheese forever you're going to do it for three weeks and then let's have that conversation right and I think what happens first of all people can enter into something when they think oh okay I can do anything for three weeks I can give up my x y and z for three weeks um but at the end I am pretty confident and we've seen this with feedback in this program um, and in person with other programs that after three weeks when you see the kind of results that you see in terms of being satisfying um, the ease of preparation and then some of the whether it's biomarkers in your blood labs or maybe it's your weight or your blood pressure your skin your hair whatever aches and pains whatever it is after three weeks now you tell me are you willing to give up meat cheese eggs uh, for the long term and and I 
most people will come back and say, yeah, I mean, <laughs> nothing tastes as good as healthy feels, right? So, Surprise. Right? So <laughs> I'm going to stick with this. And even if you don't, we have this program starting every week. And if you fall off the wagon, come back. If you need to take a break after those three weeks, come back. We're going to be here. And a lot, and that's, I've seen that happen too, where people come back and say, you know, I did this a few months ago. Um, I fell off the wagon. I'm back. Now I'm ready to do this um, because I did see results. I just wasn't um, ready to fully commit, but now I'm ready. So that might be you too. Come back. If you fall off, Join us again. Sometimes you just have to have the seed planted, and maybe it sprouts a little later. And I know that there are some people after the three weeks that are also like, man, I, I just I need some more guidance. So there's also something called Kickstart Plus. That's right. So um, these are for our superstars who just can't get enough information. Uh, and, and we have so much information. If Kickstart Plus is um, a great way to get that extra added uh, recipes, cooking tips, more lectures from Dr. Barnard. So just kick it up a notch and stay stay tied in with us monthly so that we can keep in touch and keep you on track. And research shows again and again, the more you stay, um, stay in touch with a program, whether it's weekly, monthly, the more likely you are to stick with it. So that's what this is here for. Outstanding. And of course, all of this is online at pcrm.org. Just search out Kickstart and uh, it'll take you right to it. Susan Levin, you are just, uh, you are a wealth of information. So I'm going to ask you to stick around. I'm not done with you yet. Uh, We're going to come back because another thing that new vegans struggle with is dining out. Mm -hmm. What to do when you go out to dinner? Is there anything on that menu? We're going to talk about that in just a little while. You're listening to The Exam Room, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. You're continuing to listen to The Exam Room, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Give the show a follow on Twitter, at PCRM, and of course, like us on Facebook as well. This show, How to Vegan. It's a good question. It's a good topic. And it's all about the 21-day Kickstart program here offered by the Physicians Committee. So one of the great aspects of this program, not just the menus that we were talking about with Susan, but some of the just extraordinary coaches that we have as you go through this process, 21 days, 21 celebrities. So to help me go over some of these names, we're welcoming nutritionist Maggie Neola back to the show. Hello, Maggie. Hello, Chuck. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I think with this 21-day kickstart, one of the more attractive parts of it is indeed the fact that, you know, you're going to be getting tips from the likes of, you know, Alicia Silverstone, some NBA players, other actresses. I mean, this is really incredible. That's a big draw. Absolutely. It's really cool to see how many other people are there to assist you and have paved the way to make it easy. Uh, Let's see. You're roughly my age. You product of the 90s, or at least that was the formative years. Um, Alicia Silverstone, you remember her from Clueless? I do. She's so popular. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Great movie. (laughs) I mean, it's just crazy to me that, uh, you know, here I am going over the program and it's like, wow, she's like one of the first coaches featured. And she really has some good tips on there. Yeah, she's been vegan for over 18 years. So great experience to share. Wow. So that that would have been right after she 
you know, she did Clueless and what was she on, like The Babysitter, some other things, you know, mm-hmm. go on IMDb and look her up. But anyway, what are what are some of the tips that she has? So she talks about thinking about your favorite dishes and just making them plant-based specifically. So for example, if you're used to a meat, uh, meat marinara where you've got those, you know, traditional turkey or beef crumbles in your marinara sauce, instead swapping those out with something like lentils or a different type of legume to give you that same sort of texture. Even mushrooms can work really well in there as well. I think that's really so important that people not necessarily give up the foods that they love so much. They just learn an an alternate way to prepare them, a healthier way. Because (laughs) I know that one of the biggest concerns when somebody goes on a quote-unquote diet is like, when can I eat this specific food again? When can I eat a burger again? When can I have pizza again? And the fact of the matter is, you don't have to give it up at all. Right. And and thinking, too, like, how would you normally flavor your favorite meat-based dish? Um, a lot of times people use barbecue sauce. So could you put barbecue sauce on tofu instead and then grill that or bake that? And it'd be sort of like a similar swap for barbecue chicken. Um, so, again, using your favorite sauces to flavor things and just sw- switching out for a plant-based protein instead of a meat or animal-based protein. Yeah, my wife and I are a big fan of the barbecue. We actually, uh, one of the recipes in the program is the uh, barbecue portobello mushrooms. And uh, whipped that up recently, and that was just an A-plus right there. Oh, great. Yeah, I've heard a lot of wonderful things about that recipe. Oh, I think you should try it. Yeah, I will. I will sometime. <laughs> um, not just for the uh, actresses either. I mean, we've got a big-time NBA guy here as well. Yes, John Sally, really great basketball player from Detroit, L.A., Chicago. It's yeah. been all over the place. Yeah, let me nerd out <laughs> with my sports knowledge here. He's he's the only guy, the first person in NBA history who won four different championships with three different teams in any professional sport. That's just unheard of. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's so great to be able to learn from him as well. Yeah. He got game, not just on the court, but uh, in the kitchen as well. Big time vegan. He's also got some great tips. Yeah. He's super passionate about thinking about children. So if they're going to be our decision makers in the future and right now they're already unhealthy, then we've got some work to do. (laughs) So his goal is to really consider, you know, consider teaching your children how to eat, what's good nutrition so that in the future we're setting ourselves up for success in this country rather than continuing that obesity epidemic. Yeah, I I wish that I had his tips when I was a younger man. It it would have done well. Yes, I've heard many people uh, just to continue to point out the need to focus on our children and make sure that they're set up for success. I I think that we're finally at a point in society where we are kind of seeing that that turning point where we are starting to focus more on childhood nutrition. And that is just so critical. I didn't know what a salad was until I was a teenager. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because your taste buds change too. So for example, when I was little, my mom would always, you know, have me try tomatoes in our garden. I was like, no, I don't like these. And then somewhere around 13, I started liking tomatoes. So you never know when kids are going to be open to trying new foods. Don't give up on them. How great is this? And and how great is this next celebrity? I mean, this guy, you've probably seen some of his uh, products, the Engine 2 line uh, in the stores, uh, Rip S. Um, this guy is just incredible. He is, and I've seen him speak live before as well. Very engaging speaker, good author. Um, he was a firefighter, previous athlete, triathlete specifically, and he changed his entire firehouse. <laughs> so challenged all of his coworkers to go for a vegan diet, 
And I think they even measured their cholesterol and blood sugar levels, and they all had success and weight as well. Yeah, challenged his firehouse, and now he's challenging you. He's, he's one of the coaches. I mean, you can get tips directly from Rip. Uh, talk to me about what it is that he stands for. I think his whole thing is plant strong. That's that's his term, right? Right. So he, he goes for this plant strong approach with your diet in order to combat our biggest diseases we have in the U.S. So stroke, heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. And he shows you in his book specifically how a plant-based diet helps alleviate those problems or reduce the risk for those developments. Have you tried his hummus? I have, yeah. They're really fun. I like the roasted red pepper one the best. It's pretty good. Uh, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure there's no oil in that one either. Right. All of his hummuses are oil-free, and many of the products are very nutrient-dense. Nutrient-dense and nutrient-delicious. Yes. Uh, Moby, you, you like the music? I love the music. I love music. Moby's great. He's another great vegan. I mean, seriously, the list of these celebrities just goes on and on. So Moby's another one that I wanted to key, on, key in on for selfish reasons, just because I like his music. But dude is a pretty strong vegan as well. He is. He's such a good advocate for a vegan diet. And he talks about how it's becoming easier to follow that diet every day now because every city is just becoming more enriched with vegan options at restaurants. People are becoming more aware of how healthy it is to follow a vegan diet. Um, so I think one of the, the greatest things you can do is talk to restaurant owners and other people in your community to add vegan options to their menus and just continue to make it even more available. Grocery store uh, as well. That's a good place to talk with people on staff and ask them to bring in those options. Yeah, and I think Moby would tell you that that's especially important in uh, smaller towns where there may not be as many options to go in there, go to your favorite restaurant, even if it's a chain restaurant, and say, hey, you know, this would be really great if you offered this. Yeah. I know I would certainly eat it, and I'm pretty sure that others would as well. Yes, and that movement is happening, so keep the momentum going with Moby. Move on, people. Uh, I can't remember the last time Moby put out an album. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I'll go on Spotify and check that out. Uh, last person I wanted to touch on, she stars in Designated Survivor. I love that show. Political thriller. Have you seen it? I have not. I got to add it to my list. Let me tell you, Maggie, your life is not quite as rich as it could be because you have not seen that show. Okay. <laughs> have, a, have a rich and rewarding life and go watch Designated Survivor. I'll put it on my New Year resolution. There you go. <laughs> January 1st, binge watch it after, you know, after you go do some exercise or something. But anyway, she, she's another avid vegan that, that gives these great tips for the Kickstart program. Mm -hmm. She's an extraordinarily kind person. I've had the pleasure of meeting her in person. Um, so she really likes to think about how can I develop a meal that is fulfilling and satiating between, you know, for for your breakfast, for your lunch, for your dinner. So what she recommends is to, when you're you know, adding more veggies to your diet, to also add in a good source of grains and legumes, which are beans, lentils, peas, and tofu. So that way, if you have all three of those food groups combined, you're going to be full longer and just have more nutrients in your diet, which is going to help you be healthy and strong. It makes sense. And, you know, that's a tip that you don't necessarily need to be a nutritionist such as yourself to understand. This mm -hmm. is something that anyone can follow. And that's kind of the critical component of the Kickstart program. Yes, it really does teach you that balance of having all different types of food groups, variety of foods and enjoying it. 
Cool. Well, uh, if you're interested in doing the Kickstart program, and if you're listening to this, I'm assuming that you are, uh, head on over to PCRM.org and just uh, click on the Kickstart banner there, and uh, you can get going. It lays out the full 21-day menu, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and, of course, you get the celebrity tips. 21 days, 21 celebrities, including these five, and Dr. Barnard is on there as well. That's right. Come join us. Maggie, Happy New Year. Thank you. You as well. You're listening to The Exam Room, brought to you by The Physician. Committee. You're listening to The Exam Room, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll, on Twitter, at Chuck Carroll, WLC. That's two R's and two L's on there. Make sure that you spell it properly. Uh, dining out. That is a big problem for so many people who are just transitioning to a plant-based diet. And that is an appropriate segment for this podcast, which we are calling How to Vegan. So to help us navigate the waters of dining out, we are welcoming back to the program Susan Levin, nutritionist up upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center. Hello. Welcome hey, back. Hey, good to be back. Dining out, going vegan, difficult, yes or no? N- no. No. I, well, Okay. Let's yes, yes and no. How about that? Okay. Um, I'm going to be a politician. Uh, <laughs> right down the middle. I mean, g- going vegan, I think, is pretty easy. Certainly, in terms of uh, how you describe it on paper, right? You're not eating any more animal products. Um, beyond that, I would going vegan to me means eating a lot of plant foods, whole foods, uh, having a very health healthy diet. Um, eating out. This is becoming easier, mm-hmm. maybe I should say. Uh, there's just a lot more options out there. There's a lot more demand for this way of eating. And restaurants, of course, uh, want to make money and they want to meet that demand. And oftentimes it's with something as stellar as wonderful well, exclusively vegan restaurants, that's pretty easy. But secondly, good labeling on menus. And lastly, maybe it's having a conversation with your server who can fix something or communicate with the kitchen and get something for you. So I think there's a lot more understanding on the part of restaurant staff for what you're talking about. So that's one hurdle that has been I think overcome in the past decade or so. Right. Um, but yeah, you, you're still good. It depends on where you are, uh, but certainly it's not as hard as it used to be. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I think <laughs> geography plays a great deal in this. Um, my wife and I are both from the Tidewater area of Virginia, and uh, we go down frequently to uh, visit her parents. I get along with my in laws. Hello, Charlie and Shelby. Um, but it is really difficult down there, I find, because there are so many fewer options mm-hmm. and this whole, you know, plant-based eating thing has not taken off nearly as much in that area as it has in, in major cities. I think, you know, if you're living in Los Angeles, you're not going to have a problem. If you're living Mm-mm. here in Washington, you're mm-hmm. not going to have a problem. New York, Chicago, you know, any big city, you're going to be okay. But then when you get to these smaller and mid-sized towns, that's when it can get dicey. So in particular, you know, my brother-in-law, he insists he will put his foot down that we go to Golden Corral. And that is a difficult day, Susan. Okay. I'm going to take your word for it. I I don't know. I, in a Golden Corral-esque environment, yeah, I would probably be ordering, um, okay, you know, give me the salad that only has X, Y, and Z and give me the baked potato and don't put anything on it. Um, yeah, that's... Touche. Mm. Yes, touche. Mm. And I get it. I also am from um, 
a different part of the country. I'm from Alabama. Hello. So, yeah, so, you know, tete-a-tete with uh, the Virginia area. But um, I have – what I've done when I go home is – Either if it's a if it's a you know not a chain restaurant, I'll often call if it's a, like a nice restaurant, mm-hmm. and I'll say, "Can I'm coming in with my family? Can you make me a vegan meal?" And here's what I mean by a vegan meal. And I am shocked by how many people get it and will actually uh, you know know what tofu is and can create something beyond just steamed vegetables. So that's been uh, comforting. I also make a habit of going to. Um, there's one particular restaurant in Birmingham where I'm from, and I'll go home, and it's Indian, and mm. they make, they get it, you know, and they make amazing Indian food that is uh, vegan and delicious, and I always make it a point to go there when I go home. So I think that you can, certainly when you start thinking about different cultures menus, and you can hit up those types of restaurants, and by that I mean cultures who traditionally eat a lot of vegetables, eat a lot of beans and grains and not so meat-heavy, um, or dairy isn't a part of their staple in their diet, that's where you go. That's where you go find the foods that you can eat. Do you Okay, so you mentioned an Indian restaurant. Do you find then that you're, you might be in better shape if you go a little bit more high-end, or can you really make this work at a hole-in-the-wall kind of joint? I think it depends. I've certainly been burned in holes in the wall. Um, I remember one time when I was down on the Gulf, and went to a Mexican restaurant thinking, oh, this is going to be easy. And unfortunately, it wasn't because they they put lard in their beans oh, and, and, like, chicken broth. And so it's like, oh, you know, normally I would get the beans and rice, but I guess I'm not going to get that here. I, I think that now you just see, if not a vegan a mindset, you see a healthful mindset. So you do see more even holes in the wall having their beans not made with high fat products but rather like the vegetable broth or just the water and spices yeah i had a a similar experience this was at a chain restaurant i I don't mean to put them on blast because they have also been accommodating in the past but um cracker barrel that's Mm. that's another place that the in-laws love to go um (laughs) notice the southern theme there um i ordered steamed vegetables and i took a bite and i was like this tastes like butter. Like I this know. is saturated in butter. I know. And indeed it was. They steamed it, but then they the they just you got buttered. And and I ordered it. I was like, I just want plain steamed vegetables. No problem. We got you covered, Chuck. And then, you know, this is this is what they had. And then it comes to find out, well, this is the only way that they can serve it because, well, it comes prepackaged in the butter, you know? Oh wow. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I lived in China for a while and not you know, I can't even speak the language. My bad. But I <laughs> I learned how to say a few things like I don't eat meat and I don't eat this and I don't eat that. But um, it was kind of a challenge to get just steamed vegetables because they – and this is kind of akin to being in the South as well. They presumed that would taste terrible and they just wouldn't even serve it to me. It would mm. come with something on it. It's like, oh. Like I just, okay. But I feel uh, – now we're just focusing on how hard it is. I really don't <laughs> – I actually, in my heart of hearts, don't think it's that hard to dine out. Um, you do have to be, in some places, fairly explicit. I actually went to a Cracker Barrel, barrel as a vegan once. And I, too, uh, you know, I just said, okay, I want a bowl of oatmeal, make it with water, don't put anything on it, mm-hmm. bring me a banana on this. Like, I just really put it together myself, but it ensured that 
I was able to eat something while I was there. And that's just it. You have to be comfortable ordering off the menu. Yeah. And demand, I mean, you know, there's, pretend you have an allergy. I don't know. Just don't be shy. I think a lot of people feel bad for requesting things uh, that aren't on the menu or that are pretty specific. But I'm, you know, don't feel bad. I don't think your decision or your choice to eat healthy and to take care of your body is any less than important than, say, your religious decisions sure. to, you know, I don't want to eat shellfish uh, because I'm Jewish. Nobody's going to be like, oh, what a pain. Well, I think it's just as admirable to say, I don't want to eat shellfish because I want to take care of my body. Right. Um, great. I mean, more power to you, and you got to own that, I think. I think that one of the easier things that I've also learned is that you can also just load up on sides. So you were talking about just ordering oatmeal and a banana. Uh, one of my go-tos when I think that I'm in a pickle is just a plain sweet potato. Yeah. Nothing on it. And that, that always works for me. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you can look at the sides and then just determine, you know, what are you putting on that? Well, don't. <laughs> you know, you're really actually trying to make their – you're making their lives easier in some ways uh, behind the line. But um, just look on the menu, see what they have, make it your own. At the very least, you can have you know, raw salad with oil and vinegar or just vinegar. I've, I've, I've been there too, but you can make it, make it work. Um, and if I'm on a road trip somewhere, I did this too one time. I did a road trip in the in the Delta, in the like in the Mississippi Delta, and I was prepared. Like I had, and thank goodness, I had food that I went shopping at grocery stores, so lots of fresh fruits and vegetables that I could snack on. Um, and I was ready for what I encountered, which was a lot of vegetables that were already pre cooked in fat or or in, in other animal products. So I was glad I did that. But you just you got to kind of be prepared. Um, but generally speaking, it really isn't that difficult. And I cannot remember, honestly, the last time I went somewhere and did, couldn't find something to eat. Um, and I am always hungry. So I am not, mm -hmm. I'm not one of those people that can casually sit back and be like, I'm fine. No, I need food. So I, I usually, <laughs> you know, I usually find something that's satisfying and not just, you know, bring me the parsley that was on the side of that plate, but something pretty hearty. So let's let's put a bow on this. I think that the most important thing is what you just touched on is that you have never really been to a place where they couldn't accommodate you, which means that in the end, you always win. I always win. I wish I always win. Yeah, in restaurants, I think I, I do always win. And then I think laying the groundwork. So I encourage people to go out there and, and be demanding and ask questions because then when one of us comes into that restaurant next time, you've done the work, they know what they're doing, and they can say, ah. Oh, I've met someone like you, and yes, I have just the dish. So I think as that builds and that momentum builds, in a couple of years, this is just not going to be a problem, even yeah. at Golden Corral. Yeah, look at that. Plant-based trailblazers. I love it. I know, right? All right. So call ahead. Don't be afraid to be very specific, and just be confident that no matter what, you will be okay. Yeah. All right, Susan Levin, Happy New Year. You too. Thank you. That's amazing. You're listening to The Exam Room, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Almost time to wrap it up, but before we do, we're going to bring you some goodness here on the exam room brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Recipe segment time. We're going to school you in the culinary arts and with this being How to Vegan, all about the 21-day kickstart program here at the Physicians Committee. I welcome in health coach and managing director of nutrition, Jill Eckhart. Jill, welcome to the program. Great to be here. Now, Happy New Year. 
All right back at you, Chuck. <laughs> Hit us with some deliciousness. This is a recipe from the 21-Day Kickstart program, all simple to make. And when you and I were talking about coming on the program, you got all sorts of excited about this one. So what are we whipping up today? Oh, it's the ultimate fast food. We are whipping up quickie quesadillas. It's not faster than that. No. It, now, where, before you went plant-based, were you a fast food junkie? Uh, yes. Mm, so yes. many of us were. So yes. many of us were. Uh, I was a Taco Bell guy. Big yeah. Taco Bell guy. So this is uh, this one's kind of near and dear to my old heart. So what do we have here? So, quickie quesadillas. Uh, it is tortillas, hummus, green onions, salsa, tomatoes. Bam. That's it. So simple. I'm noticing no cheese in those ingredients, but... I suspect that you won't even miss it. You won't, because when you heat this dish up, the hummus takes on a, a quite a cheesy flavor, and it's got a kick. It's roasted red pepper hummus, so it really takes on that creamy, cheesy, with a kick taste. You're not going to miss it at all. All right, so how many tortillas are we talking? I'm assuming we're making more than one. Oh, make as many as you want, but if you're just whipping it up to take to lunch, all you need is two tortillas. A little bit of hummus, some tomatoes, salsa, green onions, and that's it. All right, so let's talk about uh, the cooking and the prepping and all of that good stuff. This is a quickie recipe. You call it fast food. So how fast are we talking? Oh, so, so fast. I mean, literally under 10 minutes here, and you could probably make it in eight <laughs> if you're quick in the kitchen. And if you make your own hummus, which I will not judge you for, um, for buying your own or buying it in the store, easy peasy. Uh, so you're talking eight to ten minutes start to finish, right? Absolutely. That includes chopping and washing and eating. Well, not eating. Eating, take your time, people. Yeah. Chew your food. Yeah. All right, so uh, <laughs> what's uh, what's the process there? Okay, so we've got our tortillas. Lay one down. Take a little bit of your roasted red pepper hummus or any type of hummus you wish. Spread it lightly on the quesadilla. Then drizzle on top with your tomatoes, some salsa, green onions, and that is it. We are not lying to you guys. It is just the ultimate fast food. Pop your tortilla on top. Put it onto a saute pan on medium heat. Flip, flip till it's as crusty and uh, crispy as you wish. Cut it in half. And voila. You said flip, flip. I assume like, but we're talking like after two minutes or something, two <laughs> on each side. Oh, you got it, Chuck. Uh, two on each side is perfect. Um, again, medium heat. And just have it be as crispy as you like. Um, and you actually don't have to cook this. Um, so really for the ultimate fast food, just assemble it, cut it, put it in a baggie, and you're ready to go. But if you're going to eat it right then and there, go ahead and warm it up. Um, it's a great party food as well. You know what I like about this is also on the PCRM.org's Kickstart page. This is day three, week one. You can find this recipe. We'll also put it up on PCRM.org slash podcast. Calories and fat real low on this per serving. It's 135 calories and, and not even three grams of fat. That's pretty impressive. Oh, this recipe goes even further than that. In a full one full quesadilla, you're going to get eight grams of fiber. Mm. And remember, we want as much fiber as we can. And animal products don't have it, but plants do. And we've got tons of lycopene. So lycopene is tomatoes. So you got your tomato and your salsa there. 
and then 10 grams of protein in a quesadilla. So that's great. Um, so really, really good nutrient profile here. Lycopene, that makes you happy if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> well, it's definitely a cancer protector. Um, so the more tomato you can have, the better. And if it's cooked, bonus points for that. Excellent. Jill, thank you so much. Again, we're going to put this recipe up on PCRM.org slash podcast. And of course, you can find just dozens and dozens of others on the Kickstart page on PCRM.org. Of course, that is the 21-day Kickstart program. How appropriate here for How to Vegan on the Exam Room, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Well, there you have it. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. And let me share one more tip with you. And that is bring somebody else along with you. Somebody in your home, maybe somebody at work. And that's really for two reasons. The first is every now and then there will be a moment when somebody tries to tempt you with unhealthy foods. They're going to have contraband all around. And, you know, when you enlist these people as allies, that's less likely to happen. But also, if somebody else is doing this with you, then you've got somebody who you can compare notes with. I found the coolest new recipe, some new product at the store, a new book, a new website. And if you bring in a third and a fourth and a fifth person, whatever, suddenly you've got a big supportive network. And that's a great way to go. But today, the tip is start with one. Think of somebody who could use a healthier diet. Invite them to join you.